and then you can start whenever you want. Oh, well, um, so I know that we're both really good social media savvy people. Absolutely, we both yes. spend all hours of the day on social media. Yes. Uh, so with that in mind, have you heard of the most recent social media or medias? I don't know what it's what the verbiage is uh, that came out a couple days ago as of recording. So what is a social media again? It's a well. I used to. <laughs> I, I the the millennial in me almost came out. I said it's a website. <laughs> it's an app. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, an well, experience. it depends. Some are still a website, and and some you know it, they're they're multi tiered, and then others are because I don't know that MySpace has an app. But uh, who knows? Well, that's a good. I've point. never tried. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. It, it should be an app. You know, I feel like I feel like. Right now is the perfect time for a revitalization. I think, you know, we're missing out on the David Fincher installment of the the MySpace movie where we can hear why Tom was everybody's friend and see what happened there. Because I'm sure if it was as scintillating as Facebook's, you know, <laughs> it, it, as we say, conception and, and uh, initial I- initiation, then, yeah, I'm sure MySpace has got to be just fraught with peril. I would I would definitely watch that doc- or documentary, whatever, what you call it. You know, back to your air quotes, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. I, you know, yeah. a, uh, a docudrama, if you will. But I think I know the best way for MySpace to jump in, jump right in, straight into uh-huh, being relevant uh-huh. again. They can uh, develop a text-based social media app um, and maybe talk about uh, where you leave kind of posts or, or I guess like tweets or something like that. Maybe make their own. You can't say you can't say tweets. That's that's proprietary to to a devil. So oh. we we can't uh, we can't use that. that that's fair. I mean, j- just because the the Twitter implosion or the Twitter clone implosion has occurred. Have you heard of Meta? Because I have to call them Meta because that's their company name. Mm-hmm, Meta's mm-hmm. new app called Threads. No, I have not heard of Meta Threads before. Ah. But it sounds like a monthly subscription box where you can gussy yourself up in new and exciting ways. I wish it was that exciting. Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, allegedly, and this is because there is apparently a lawsuit being threatened. Uh, that, By Stitch Fix, I think. Yes, yes. yes uh, that uh-huh. they that Meta took all the people that were fired uh, on Twitter from, from Twitter and mm. made their own Twitter clone. So, uh, hey, yeah. I mean, the, Facebook itself is is a clone of a couple other things. If uh, stories are to be believed, mm-hmm. so why not just keep perpetuating? Oh it? yeah, yeah. You can sign in. Technically, it's through Instagram and not Facebook, but it's the same company. Uh, they. But here's the problem: How alt right can we get over the course of this? Because I mean, we already have Truth Social. Which is kind of like the it fosters all of the glorious Q initiates, and then Twitter is now becoming the new right wing mm-hmm. uh, media because they're trying to bring everybody back to it. So now is this the attempt to cultivate? Because I mean, Facebook is also notorious for this is where your uncle gets his news feed and uh, previously posted about guns and uh, his his love <laughs> of his country. Um, I think based off of what I understand, because I'm not on Threads, I'm not that cool. Uh, is that they okay. took all the social media influencers from Instagram and pretty much told them that instead of, you know, like filming themselves and taking pictures and stuff like that, they had to write stuff. So a lot of them, like they got these big names to pretty much say like, I'm hungry. 
what's your favorite fast food joint? Or I'm going to Arby's. What what kind of fries do you like? And that is kind of the main uh, gist of okay. threads. It's what if it, what if Instagram, uh, you know, influencers had to write paragraphs. <laughs> so what if those annoying text threads that your friends used to include you in on like, hey, this is really cool post that I found over here on, on uh, chat GPT. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of your favorite <laughs> posted forum that, that I, you use in every episode and that 4chan. Oh yes. So, yeah, yes. yes. Uh, is <laughs> all of this is here's this cool 4chan thread that I found about the different Mountain Dew flavors. And one of them's called Hitler didn't do anything wrong. And Good then, reference. you know, you keep getting dinged 18 times by everybody responding to said text when you just want people to shut up and leave you alone because you like to forget that humanity exists once you get home. I do have to say, I know this is a bit and all, but uh, kudos to that callback because uh, you know that that mm. actually occurred, right? Yes, I yeah. do. I do. I'd say I had frequent conversations. That's where <laughs> gushing grannies came oh, from. Oh, yes, you're right. See, that's where I was <laughs> in the dark in that case. I mean, it's probably better to be in the dark on gushing grannies. Uh, it, it, just, yeah. you know, feel, not see. Mm -hmm. That Yeah, just close your <laughs> eyes and dive in. Hope for the best. Come up for air. Yes, yes. Like hurling a hot dog down a hallway. <laughs> but, okay. Um, yeah, no, I am. I think I need to found the official antisocial network where, you know, you just uh, have a, a site that has none of your relevant information posted and you don't interact with anybody. You have no friends. And if you can get to negative friends by here's how many people that you've blocked, if that is actually included in the course of your social network, as Shane has blocked 872,000 people. I like that. Instead of how many people you're following, you actually automatically start by following everyone. And then it's a yes. record of how many people you block. I, I think it's just think knowing that, yeah. that anybody who signs up, you have to be the intrepid soul who's like, I'm going to go so far out of my way to ensure I never talk to you. I like that. That That is how we turn this new Twitterverse on its head, is is that we go with from that angle. Indeed. Uh, so coming next month, the Antisocial Network as brought to you by the Disinformed Podcast and uh, our initial... What should we say? We well, we can't use thread. We can't use tweet. Uh, our it's you know verbal diarrhea. So our our first explosion <laughs> will be by the eternal. Behold. Behold, it is the disinformed podcast. I am Shane, and I'm Michael, and we are back to a duo. It's a duet. We're the hollow notes of this podcast uh, with with occasional guest vocalist Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's always a delightful time getting to just reconvene and, and let the two of us just go completely to jelly in our mental spaces together. Oh, yes. It's it's fun. It, you know, I don't think they're ready for this jelly. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I'm sorry. that, that That's where I, my hey, mind space is at know, right now. Like, I could... Uh, you, bootylicious, mm -hmm, yes. I could... That's... Uh, Bootylicious Michael Clark, I think. <laughs> that was your high, high school nickname, as I recall, in Peoria. Most likely to be Bootylicious. That was my uh, graduation <laughs> uh, yearbook thing title. Yeah, I think I misspoke. I'm sorry. I misread it from my <laughs> notes here. It was actually Booty Juice. Booty Juice Michael Clark was your was your official nickname. All of that sweat. I was going to say, I do have a lot of swamp ass. <laughs> so it's, uh, and it's not like it changed once I got to college. Like I, I was I think, like this as a kid, so... 
I think yeah, booty juice. I <laughs> it was was the derivative after Niagara ass didn't <laughs> stick, so we had to just change it up slightly. Yeah, it just that didn't roll off the tongue as well. Like, and and, and I it mean, rolls off the cheeks though. It, I mean, it definitely does. But like after someone tried to write a barrel down it, uh, and and it, it was it was it was a mess. Like the cleanup crews. I thought we were talking about butt plugs. We we'd mentioned off air that was. Well, I mean, I said that they're not experimental anymore, which I would kind of argue that okay. that that I feel like butt plugs have entered the mainstream. <laughs> Orifices. Uh, uh, yes, yes, yeah, mainstream. <laughs> you know, to go with yes. the Niagara. Um, but yeah, no, I I I'm not going to argue for that po- uh, that that conversation though. I I, I don't want to go that far into butt plugs because even though they might be mainstream, in my opinion, I also don't know anything about them. So. Well, they don't work well with hemorrhoids. I'm just gonna, as a public service announcement, be careful, kids. I mean, it if 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 it already hurts, I can't imagine doing work on it. Well, I well, here's the thing: the insertion is not going to be as much of the problem with the hemorrhoids. Mm. It's the extraction that's the issue. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't that. want things getting tangled around there. So have you ever tried to like pull the uh, the lights off your Christmas tree while it's still plugged in? That's basically extracting a butt plug with hemorrhoids. <laughs> oh, God. You're going to get shocked with something, and it's not going to be pretty, and then your family will stop talking to you because you did it in front of everybody. Man, Christmas will never be the same again. But when, ho, ho, ho. but when you say that, it reminds me of this uh, meme that I saw on the in the ethers of the internet about the idea mm. that if you were to try and suck on a light bulb, you actually cannot remove it from your mouth afterwards it, without cracking oh. it. I don't. I was like, which end are we talking <laughs> oh, about here? Because big... Uncle Fester has been sucking on those for no, years. No, no, the, the big end, the end that obviously does not look the glass end, the end that's like the bell end. Do not put in your mouth. Um, well, I get okay. So we're back to you know glass ass here, where people are screwing mason jars into their keisters. Why? Why would one ever feel compelled to to put a light bulb into your mouth? I think it's just because you know the act of someone saying "Don't do this," just like "Don't put foil okay. into a microwave," you know, like that. Like someone's uh-huh. like, you know what? I bet I can fit you know my uh, a light bulb in my mouth. And then usually the response after that, after a couple minutes, is, "Hey, how do I remove this?" Yeah, don't don't extract things from your toaster with a fork. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Don't uh, run around with a giant metal pole while lightning is striking around you. These sorts of general wisdom. Yeah, where it's like you shouldn't yeah. do this, but because someone said not to, you feel compelled to at least try. Like I could do this. I could get away. Uh, <laughs> it reminds. See, I, I I function more on the end of like going to the alternative of just I take a bunch of sharpened not. Uh, knives i take a bunch of sharpened scissors into schools and i'm just like here run around with this for a minute see what happens Yeah, exactly you are the person that will go into a group and saying and says hey don't don't put a light bulb in your mouth and someone's like i could do uh, that i'm more like you know caution to the wind i was like you know that the the signs around the pool that say don't run that that's just a, a plain falsehood <laughs> oh you, yeah. you're not even with the challenge you're like that that's a lie you could do it just just go. Yeah. Just go for it's it. It's a slip and slide. Yeah. You just don't have to pay the extra money. You do, however, have to worry about how the skin is going to regrow on your thighs. I mean, yeah. 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 Especially if the pool deck is a little bit dry. But, you know, what's yeah. the fun in having it like soaking wet? Like, you know, it's a slip and slide. Doesn't necessarily mean it needs water, right? 
Yeah, and you're going to have plenty of time uh, time to regrow the skin as you're in concussion protocols. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to. <laughs> what was it? For some reason, talking about things that people think that they can get away with reminds me of right after the uh, the submarine, uh, the the Titanic sub. Where oh, I was like the 2020 election. No, oh, God, no. we're back on this. No, yeah, no, okay, no, no, no. Uh, that's next week. Uh, but oh. <laughs> so there was talk on Twitter about like, well, it was an immediate implosion. No one could have survived. And then there were some people like joking around like, well, you know, you could have no clipped out of the like you jump at the right moment. Like people on a falling elevator, you jump at the right moment. You won't die. Someone was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you could just jump and ride the air bubble, you know, to to the surface. And someone was like, I and I don't think that they were like completely coherent, but I think that they were serious. They said pretty much, you know, most people think that they would die in this sort of situation, but I feel like. I don't know how, but I would make it. I would survive this submarine implosion. Okay, so they're Aquaman. Yeah, exactly. Or in the immortal words of our uh, favorite baseball player, who I never remember his name, I I think it's Quentin Gamble or something like this, uh, people like to think it don't be like it is, but it do. It definitely do be like that. Mm -hmm. It do be like that. Uh, I I really had not heard much of anything about the whole Titanic submarine thing. Uh uh, this is how far removed from just general sociability I am, not even social networks. But what I will say is, is that I feel like it might have a lot in common with something I'm watching currently Ooh. and our prior episodes. So there is a weird convergence in the force mm-hmm. in that um, Melissa and I have started rewatching uh, the X-Files because she has never finished it. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, something that I've uh, appreciated and in a former relationship watched the entirety of all of the seasons. So in going back uh, several weeks ago, there was an episode wh- which uh, revolved around the satanic panic. Oh. That was, of course, occurring in the mid-90s mm-hmm. at the height of all of this glorious nonsense. And uh, it revolved around a sort of a, a coven of individuals who were all Satan worshippers who ran a school. And uh, there was some ritual abuse syndrome uh, because there was a, a child who claimed that she had repressed memories and they claimed that they had brought this on by giving the child drugs after the things. And it had all, the full plethora, the whole gambit of like forced to have abortions, uh, forced to have children and sacrifice them. And the girl was claiming she was having kids since she was like eight. And you're like, okay, so physiologically, this is just not this not possible. But the kicker of the whole episode is that there was, in point of fact, someone who was in league with dark forces who was actually doing ritual magic and killing people with it. Oh, and that person <laughs> escapes by the end of the episode. No one ever figures out that that is the person that ah. they're able to pin all of their crimes on this sect of hapless Satanists. Hmm. So that was fun enough. I'm like, you know, the X-Files is basically the disinformed podcast as brought to you by the X-Files because (laughs) of all of the material that turns in. And I said that and the episode we watched last night revolved around a ship that was trapped up in the Atlantic that was essentially supposed to have gone to the same space as the ship involved in the Philadelphia experiment. Ah, okay, okay. 
And so this is where I bring myself around to the whole Titanic situation is I'm like, maybe they just hit the the pocket vortex <laughs> and they just lapsed into a, another dimension and then they, they came back. So it, it's possible they did survive somewhere in an event horizon like uh, future. Okay. They, they may have made it out. Okay. They just fused with the hull. I see. I see. You know, that kind of lends credence, credence, whatever. I always hate whatever. Don't, don't yeah. you say credence. Don't do it. Uh, it, it, it lends authenticity. Ooh, well done. Yeah, uh, to this conspiracy theory of, of surrounding the, uh, the submarine uh, in that it was destroyed because uh, Stockton Rush, I think it was, the owner of the company, the person who built the submarine, uh, he had dirt on the Clintons. And so Ooh. he was he was taken out before he could reveal his secrets. <laughs> Stockton Rush, yes. you say. Yes. That sounds like a villain on Justified, for God's sake. So he, just, it's yeah. because he is named after two of his ancestors who both signed the uh, Declaration of Independence. Oh, I was about uh, to say John Stockton. Uh, yeah, I think it was John, and... Jonathan Stockton or, or no, no, Richard oh. Stockton and Benjamin Rush. Who were both the fact that you know this is impressive. It's, honestly, the reason why I know this is because I'm actually listening to a podcast about him. <laughs> so, oh, uh, we're back on behind the bastards again. Yeah, You're exactly. only real listening. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so but this the conspiracy theory has nothing to do with that episode with those episodes. Okay, but that's something I found on my uh, trawling of trawling is actually a good word for good app uh -huh, word for this. Yes. But trawling through Twitter. Uh, because that's the only way I get any sort of information. I usually just don't really assume that it's true, but it's always fun to see other people making fun of conspiracy theorists because within before they even found any sort of rubble, people were saying that either it was a hit job to, you know, because he had dirt on the Clintons or my favorite, uh, because it sank because it went woke. Ah, it, so it wasn't because it was attacked by the Grimace. No, though that one, With I, the rubble, rubble, rubble. I think that is my uh, headcanon or my no, not headcanon. That's reality for me. They knew the secret ingredient to the Grimace milkshake and Grimace had to silence him. I technically I'm like, I think the Hamburglar said rubble, rubble. Uh, yes. Maybe I've, I've missed the. Okay, you're right. Yes, yeah, you're I'm right. You're right. But confusing my 90s McDonald's uh, <laughs> tropes here. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, since we're a, a decent chunk into the show here, what I will say is, is welcome to all of you lovely listeners out there. Happy to have you as always. What we typically do on the show is we like to delve into random esoterica like McDonald's characters mm -hmm. from the 90s commercials. Uh, and uh, we lie about them. But that's not happening this week. And we are uh, down the individual who was supposed to be presenting. And we had to kind of adjust our recording schedule a little bit and massage it, if you will. Uh, just around personal circumstances, which has not <laughs> happened very often. Surprisingly so. Over the course of over 200 episodes now, mm -hmm. we very rarely have hiccups like this. But uh, we have survived thus far, so we're going to have a, a little fun, a little free form. Just our, our standard operating, uh, you know, ribald nonsense that just trickles out of our brains. Which... And based on that... Uh, you were going. You were saying. Oh, I was going to say I was quite impressed uh, at the the 
the places that we went in the last 20 some odd minutes. <laughs> Are you always surprised with the places we wind up going just based on, on silly, you know, awkward questions? You know what? No, you're right. I shouldn't be surprised. This sounds like quite par for the course. Like, honestly, uh-huh. I thought you were going to introduce an episode right then and there. And I've been like, mm. okay, we were a little bit long in the intro, but not terrible. This is like normal. So, <laughs> yeah, we are we are kind of the Stray Thoughts podcast. And and given that we have got some some ADHD being injected in a constant, we are kind of neuro. Uh, so one of my colleagues has a neurodivergent child, and she was mentioning that uh, rather than saying that they are to refer to their child as neurospicy. <laughs> I, I like that. I'm going to start. I figured you might want to adopt. That. I'm neurospicy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't take and a bite I, of my brain or else it'll burn. <laughs> Which makes me want to describe myself as neuro non-spicy, and I think that's that's also appropriate. Neuro bland. <laughs> no, neuro non-spicy. This is how I order my Thai food, so it's how it's going to be applicable. So I'm too goddamn old to have anything. I just can't fathom why people want to eat that much spice. I, I don't why you want to burn it. your own in your I get it, but the ulcers are not fun. Oh yeah, no, I know I'll be regretting all of, especially out here in, in Santa Fe with their uh-huh. beautiful uh, uh, just use, utilization of green chili like i went to i they have sushi out here thank god because i've been deprived of sushi for two months um i mean again i i use the same rationale that i was using in phoenix which is there is not a large body of water anywhere around there so you're getting frozen fish which is not always great no but i will say this sushi place is is pretty good um but one of the main things that i want to get and I was happy that I saw it was that they had a New Mexico roll, which was green chili. It had green chili in it. So it was like, Ooh. of course, I got to have this. Like, I, you can't, I don't know what they do to the green chili around here, but it is, it has a really good kick to it. And it's very well, flavorful. It's hatch green chili. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is its own brand for God's sake. Yeah. We synonymous. We get like it. Kleenex and facial tissue. Exactly. We, there, there's plenty in Phoenix, but I always feel like here it's just hotter. I don't know why. I mean, I even got green chili like in a can for my own cooking. And even then that feels like it is hotter, spicier. Like where yeah, it actually I, has I a think kick. it's your, it's your state of mind. That could be. That very well could be. I could just be telling myself because uh, the only thing I knew about New Mexican cooking was that it'll kick you in the ass uh, mm-hmm. when it comes out. Um, yes. So I was like, uh-huh. okay. I, I picked up what you were putting down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just spelling I it wish out. I hadn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, please, explaining please, the joke. Please put it down, please, because it, it, it just came out and it's nasty and spicy. Um, <laughs> uh, hashtag explaining the joke. Beating a dead horse with a dead horse. That is my, you know, uh, MO, my modus operandi, if you will. Um, oh, thank you for making that Latin just come to life. <laughs> it's just popping. It's like 3D right in your face. Wow. It's like a hatch green chili uh, rubbed around the inside of a butt plug. Yeah. Ooh, oh, God. Oh, jeez. You're welcome. I mean, so that's probably also something that happens out here. I have I have no idea. It's a spicy. It's a spicy meatball. But... I don't okay, know so where it's I was all, going it's about the, that. The green chili is very spicy <laughs> out there, and I, you want it in everything. What is the New Mexico roll comprised of? 
Tell me. Um, other than the green chili, because now it just sounds like you threw chili into rice. I mean, it. Uh, I, I if I recall correctly, it is. It was uh, tuna. Uh, so it's. It's. I'm envisioning like a California roll with green chili. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. It, it's it's not super complicated. Um, they did like add, uh adding uh roe, which is I think like tiny fish eggs to a lot Roo. of roux. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I always, whenever I think of oh, roux, yeah, no, no, yeah, because you got a bechamel sauce. Yeah, exactly. That's different. what I was yeah. thinking when when you said uh-huh. roux. Um, yeah, but, don't mind me. No, you're good uh, because you actually know how to cook. Um, <laughs> you, uh, Not really. Uh, no, we we lost our actual chef component of this show. Yeah. No. Oh, that's fair. That is very fair. Uh, good night, sweet princess. But hey, but you make pizzas. I do. I make it to pizzas. You make it to pizzas and the particles separate. Mm-hmm. The particles they they separate and they make a goo- gooey substance. I don't know. Particle pizza. I, yeah, that's uh, the Los Alamos special, from my understanding. Ooh man, if there was a lot more, I feel like based off of the places I've gone in Los Alamos, that they are sorely lacking in a kind of united cultural uh, aestheticism that they could have gone with. Okay, like. When you think of like, like you hear Atomic City, and that's like that aesthetic, that's not really mm-hmm. there. Um, and and it's it's kind of said. I mean, like yes, like the 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 two breweries that are there, they do have beers named after Oppenheimer, you know. But mm-hmm. it's not anything that's like you know fifties like uh, like Atomic, you know. Like it, it just looks like a normal city. So unlike the Springfield uh, sports teams that are the isotopes, you know, we should have something there that's similarly themed. I do think one of they have a local sports team that is called something like that, but I other than that there's nothing that has that sort of like aesthetic uh and it's kind of okay. sad. Go my local sports team, go. Mm-hmm. Shows how much I know. Well, <laughs> Uh, on that subject, though, how excited are you, having now been fully ensconced in the environs and the atmosphere and the you know general sociality of it? Uh, how excited are you to see Oppenheimer, the Nolan film? Um, we're definitely going to do the the two the two movies the where okay. we see Barbie in the morning or Barbie oh. like we're gonna try and oh. do it. We're gonna try and do it because huh. that, that's that's it's not necessarily a challenge, but since they come out on the same day. I'm gonna try and take the day off, or at least get out of that, get out of work early. I'm gonna go see Barbie. We're gonna go uh-huh. drink, and then we're gonna go see Oppenheimer. We might switch it up and see Oppenheimer first, drink, and then go see Barbie. We haven't decided. Okay, I, you know, depending upon how you like your trauma, <laughs> if you want it with a chaser or not, exactly, it just depends. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Though I do have to say, I do appreciate a lot of memes that have been coming about. Because they are on the same day. Uh, so there was uh, one of the marketing uh, things that occurred for Barbie was that they they took, I think, like a house in either Hollywood or Miami and they turned it into like a Barbie themed house, like pink everywhere, you know, slides and all that stuff. Like if you were buying a Barbie set. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in response, a lot of people were posting that picture and it's like, you know, Oppenheimer marketing team, you know what you got to do. <laughs> An irradiated wasteland <laughs> somewhere awaits you. Exactly. The Nevada desert is prepared for you once more. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, okay, that would be really cool. Uh, and so uh, during uh, 
Uh, the 4th of July. I, oh, sorry. I like that you're remarking it would be really cool if someone were to drop a hydrogen bomb just to market a movie <laughs> about it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, a, you know, a, an atomic bomb or a hydrogen bomb. It doesn't have to be any of those. It could just okay. be a normal, like, it would be funny if they did some collaboration. They had the Barbie, you know, house, and then they just uh, detonated it. You know, one well, day. Barbie's being released, so technically a bomb is being dropped on the same day. But that is true, the B bomb, if you will. Oof. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but one of my favorite uh, things that, I, in addition to that, there have been a lot of crossover uh, art that people have been making. And apparently, mm. someone made a shirt that was in all pink, had the atomic, uh, you know, the mushroom cloud symbol, and it okay. was uh, it was labeled Barbenheimer. And I don't know if that is the exact shirt that was given to uh, Margot Robbie, but Mm -hmm. one of those crossover shirts was handed to her and she apparently signed it and, you know, said something witty or something to the effect, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Like, I mean, you're already going to be in the movie theater. Just stay longer, buy another ticket and just see them at the same, not at the same time, but see them on the same day, you know? everyone wins. Barbie gets a lot of ticket sales. Oppenheimer gets a lot of ticket sales, you know, and, and I've heard that Oppenheimer is going to be pretty good. Uh, Christopher Nolan likens it to inception. So, I mean, I, I like that he's referencing his own films. Of course. There you go. I mean, it's what it is. <laughs> a qualified artistic genius such as him only needs to reference his own. <laughs> I mean, Truth be told, though, there are not a lot of other auteur filmmakers who are are doing precisely what he does. It is kind of a a niche genre. Oh, yeah, I'd agree. Generally speaking, Mm -hmm. in spite of the fact that he dipped his entire leg into the superhero genre and then pulled himself extracted and ran the other direction. uh, It's it's an interesting concept, at least visually speaking, though, they're still very stylistically similar. Mm hmm. He definitely has a style, and he, it is pronounced. He does, and and I think that's why I'm glad that he didn't continue making uh, superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, they would have been like overdone. I mean, you could you could even see like when they were doing more of the gritty movie uh, superhero movies that occurred after the Dark Knight, um, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Oh, it's another Dark Knight clone," or or you know, not necessarily those words, but something similar where people were already mm-hmm. kind of turned off on it. Um, Especially because, like, you look at Marvel, the MCU, and how that was not necessarily, you know, very gritty. And so people were still engaged with that. So it, it, I'm glad that he backed out of that and started doing other movies like Inception, which his artistic style is very unique. You're right. Uh, I'm just glad that he was able to branch out and not just stick with one thing. Well, I think we are in a a perfect point here to dovetail in a number of directions I was thinking of, given that Nolan has tackled, one, superheroes, and two, time travel, and has sort of covered both of those in context. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a an interesting sort of uh, experience in that I, yesterday, caught just before it was removed from theaters... The Flash, another film oh. that combines those two concepts and, and plays them out. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the film. Okay, okay. But Uh-oh. at the same time, I completely understand the criticism that it is presently just being bashed over the head with. Because the the art style, I feel like they made a very specific choice hmm. with the CGI. Okay. 
And particularly in time travel sequences, if and when you ever see this film, there is a point where he is kind of on what in the comics they refer to as like this sort of cosmic treadmill, Mm -hmm. which he has to use an actual device in order to propel himself back through time. And here's where me speaking to someone who works in physics is going to be very entertaining. But uh in the course of this film, he manages to just do it. So he, yeah. he finds some sort of mental pathway into the speed force just through happenstance. And they don't explain the f- speed force. They oh. present absolutely <laughs> no background. It's just he finds this temporal vortex by going real fast. Because <laughs> that's the, uh, the whole context for this flashpoint is he, he finally discovered a way to save his mom. Right, because that's Correct. that's the comic, right? That and yes. that's what this movie is based off of. So essentially, in in the course of the comics uh, dating back into the eighties, the the cosmic treadmill has been present mm-hmm. in that it allows one to sort of uh, go back in time, and the mechanism is intended to help you access the speed force because you have to be moving at a very specific rate, and eventually you're going to kind of no, uh, strangely, but there are a lot of Back to the Future references in the Flash movie, including one of the ways they tell they're in an alternate reality is that it is Eric Stoltz, who is Marty McFly, as originally cast, as opposed (laughs) to our good friend Michael J. Fox. And so this is how he starts getting a feel that things are not quite right. But uh, so there is the mechanism, because otherwise you just kind of burn out eventually, or you're going to have some impact on the environs around you if you're moving at the rate of speed that you're supposed to yeah at least this is the way they justify some of the stuff in the comics mm-hmm. but you so he just you know happens upon this and then decides that he's just going to go back and fix you know his his situation with his mom which in the comics the way they do it is that he's had access to this for a long time mm. It's just that the trauma eventually gets to a point where it overwhelms him and he's finally like, you know, I've sacrificed so much and the entirety of my life is sort of based upon this notion that I'm missing a very vital part of what is, you know, available to many others. And then they had a, a home where they were raised by two loving parents and then they managed to just you know, thrive in that environment. I was deprived of both of my parents in a single night and they use that in the course of telling the movie, which is great. Okay. So eventually he just decides, all right, I just want to see what life would be like if I, you know, if my mother lived and I, if my father was not imprisoned for this act. And mm-hmm. so I, I want to have memories. I want to just kind of, seed those thoughts in my brain and see what happens unfortunately once he goes back something gets sabotaged and he is not able to move forward into the future and then discovers that he does not have his powers either and so this is a component that kind of plays out in both films i don't i don't think i'm telling anything that's in spoiler territory because this is kind of a general conceit and they've also done this on the zw show so we've played this out several times Mm -hmm. It's it's one of but, his more well-known story arcs. I knew about it, and I mm-hmm. barely know anything about The Flash, other than he it, goes fast. Correct. And he can vibrate. Oh, but, oh I uh, didn't even know that. Ooh, oh, he many- passes through solid matter because he vibrates himself at such a rate of speed that he it, the molecules in his body separate, and he's able to just move through solid objects. Really? Okay. That's, uh-huh. that's a cool use of... I guess not. Ne- I mean, technically, speed force because that's what uh-huh. that's what makes them go fast. The sonic, the sonic speed. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and throw in sonic jokes. I'm, I'm just I, I letting figured. you know. Okay, cool. Uh, we both have our own touch points. You know, our touchstones are different, but same, same. <laughs> uh, so the whole point of this is that as he goes back into the speed force, they create 
in the film, how they visually represent this as opposed to a guy running on a treadmill, which is Aww. just weird in the comics. But he's running in an orb. And the orb essentially looks like he is in the midst of a coliseum of events. And so uh, if you are dubbing a video and you're moving forward and backward in time, it has all of the events in sequence sort of pooling out hmm. into the, the grander audience. So you see things second by second as though you're doing frame skips on a, on a movie as you've got it paused. Okay. Where you can see what's happening backwards and forwards. Hmm. And so then you can rewind time to the sufficient point where you want to step in and then you can just insinuate yourself into that moment and go forward. The art style is when people say that it looks like PlayStation 2 graphics, they're not kidding. Oh, no. That is, it's the closest baseline you have. And I was sitting there thinking, well, maybe this is just the artistic style that they wanted to go with because it's, it's a comic and that has a comic sort of uh, aesthetic to it. And maybe that runs, but I say all this after that, the opening sequence is this very slapstick difficult to reconcile he's helping batman stop a robbery in gotham city in the middle of the day which he jokes is like should our bat friend even be awake right now like i mean he's a batman and he has to <laughs> so dumb. While, was there while, a laugh track that went out on after he no said that? but man some of these jokes <laughs> The tone of this film was so schizophrenic, and it's kind of the Justice League thing, particularly the Joss Whedon Justice League, mm -hmm. was very, like, it just had trouble reconciling what it was. Mm -hmm. So he's supposed to be saving babies from a hospital that has essentially structurally collapsed, and the window shatters, and the entire infant ward has just spilled out. So there's just <laughs> infants flying through the air. And he has to catch all the babies. Now, this is where I completely lost, where I was like, they, they went a long ways out of the way to making me like this movie, because the, the CGI on the babies is just atrocious. And if you look at some screen caps of this film, it hurt my feelings how bad this was, because there were obviously live action baby. And then one that was like, we don't want to imperil an actual infant, so let's do this one full CGI. And it looks like you microwaved Play-Doh <laughs> and tried to move it into a shape. And I kid you not, man, this is how on-the-nose weird the jokes are. He, If he touches things at the rate of speed he's moving, it'll essentially liquefy them, right? Uh -huh. So he has to interact with them in a way that, like, he grabs a onesie that one of the infants is wearing and kind of gestures it. Mm -hmm. He puts a baby in a fucking microwave <laughs> because he can then touch the microwave and move it because it's heat resistant and it, the friction's not going to kill the child. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, they're watching our podcast where we're talking about babies in microwaves and barbecue baby and all of these things. It's like, this is so horrendous. I don't know. I I'm sick of my own jokes here. Man. Granted, technically that's doc's joke, but uh, so yeah, it, it, it was really rough. There's actually a, um, a therapy dog that is also falling. And if you've seen Suicide Squad, they basically used the same sort of uh, rendering system that they did for the giant, like a uh, squirrel character oh okay. cross-eyed sort mm -hmm. of weird uh, anthropomorphic uh little animal yeah and, and, yeah so they've got this dog with its tongue just flapping in the breeze and his his little safety harness Ugh. on falling with all the babies and he has to save all these things and that's the opening sequence of the film Good and i'm Lord. like if 
if this is the tone we have to establish, it's really difficult for me to reconcile. Uh, so when the stakes actually start getting high and you start seeing things that are, in fact, reality rending, it's like you have this spastic character who's just a slapstick impression of itself. And I, I'm still in my head going like, yeah, the character's kind of funny. And and often in most comics, the character has moments where he's kind of funny, but I just don't know of anyone outside of, like, a, you know, Plastic Man or, or Elastic <laughs> Man who's just so outlandishly bizarre that you see the character and you go, oh, okay, they, I can only have this in measured doses. And they've done that to The Flash, which I'm like, all right, I get that you've chosen that you want to differentiate because and not everybody can do just the cool superhero archetype, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We can't just throw eight people that all look exactly the same in a row and go like, okay, we'll differentiate them purely by the color they're wearing. But uh, I really liked the movie, really enjoyed the concept. I thought they played with a lot of fun tropes. And if you uh, spoilers to all of those out there, but we already talked about it on episode 200. Uh, the Nicolas Cage cameo thing is real. OK, but also that CG is pretty harmful. Uh, it's they, they did not use an actual Nicolas Cage. Aww. They CG'd him the whole thing. Um I'm interested to see what Kevin Smith thinks of it from the way that it plays out because they do have him fighting a giant spider <laughs> in the in the cameo. That is the the scene that it's a bit where I was like, okay, this is such a weird in joke for those who like. There's a very specific niche of people who know that story mm -hmm. who would get this. So, uh, it was really fun. A lot of fun nods. Uh, Keaton is brilliant. Uh, I really in appreciated his inclusion in the film and, and how it plays out. And where I was leading with all of this preamble, I know I basically gave it a quick review of the film. He winds up playing the scientific mind of the film and explains what the sort of like time travel, uh, presumptions are particularly those presented cinematically that are are being broken over the course of the film now granted i'm sure a lot of this is also very ridiculous but they have a really brilliant metaphor that they use which i want to get okay. your impression of where they're showing okay if you're looking at going back in time and trying to change the past a lot of people think that they're just changing it and so he uses spaghetti He's taking spaghetti noodles and he lays two pieces of spaghetti next to one another. And he says, people think that they're doing, you know, they're just creating like a branch, right? Mm -hmm. Of this reality. So you take one of the spaghetti strands and you bend it out a little bit away from the other one. He said, so it's just kind of like it's in the same path of the other one. He says, what's really happening? He takes the spaghetti strand and just turns it completely off. And it's like, mostly it's just intersections, but these are all different strands of time going in different directions and occasionally they'll overlap. Occasionally they don't, and he takes a uh, pot of boiled noodles, dumps those all out into a bowl, and says, but this is really mostly what you wind up with, is that sometimes some are running parallel to one another, often it's chaos, he adds sauce to it later on, and, and <laughs> completes the metaphor, it's like, it was a very interesting thing, and I'm sitting here going like, if I really understood science, I'm sure this would be riveting to me, but I have no idea what the hell they're talking about, and... uh it's funny just thinking of string theory and utilizing that as you know <laughs> That's boiled probably, noodles. I bet you any amount of money someone's like, let's do this, but with string theory. And someone's like, man, spaghetti is strings. And then uh -huh. they both high-fived each other. 
Yep. The closest <laughs> I ever came to like exploring these topics and drilling down on it, I think I've told you, is during my uh, astronomy class where they were showing us things like, okay, this is what the, the saddle universe theory is mm. uh, and, and how we're running it with parallel time, alternate time, and these things intersecting. And we talked about it for maybe 15 minutes, and I was like, well, that's interesting, and went on about my life. Exactly. So I, I've never really delved any greedily or any uh, you know more substantively. So hearing that, uh, how would you, the physicist, uh, think, at least reckon time travel one, whether it's even just physically possible. Do you believe that that's something? Because as we've learned, Bob Lazar claims, if you can control gravity, you can control time. This is what he's posited. Uh, and you working at Los Alamos, I'm sure you can't disclose any of those secrets <laughs> oh, that I were wish. discovered. There. <laughs> My God, but uh, uh, indeed, and so I'm like, one, is that even possible? And then two, what do you feel like, cinematically speaking, because I know you've seen Back to the Future. Yes. Is there any sort of time travel film that gets, uh, or maybe Endgame, which I know you haven't seen? No, but someone described to me how the time travel okay. works and uh, how, how it was described. They established the rules of time travel fairly early on, and then they proceed mm -hmm. to break every single one of the rules that they establish. Exactly, which is something that <laughs> happens in Flash is that he interacts with his younger self, and he's touching them, and they're they're having full-on like engagements Ugh. with one another, Ugh. not in a, in a carnal <laughs> sense. Oh, but yeah, okay. they're they're touching one another. They have one tooth flies out and goes into the other one's mouth. But yeah, there's, there's weird stuff happening in this <laughs> film, man, I'm telling you. It's, it's hard to hold on. But uh. Uh, so, so for you, do you have to kind of suspend your, your rational thought when you go into those things or can you just watch it and be entertained? I can. Uh, so, and I think I've, I might have talked about this on air before, but probably my main thing is you can do time travel all you want, just like you can do any sort of sci-fi thing that you want. Right. But the, the idea is you don't want to explain it. Mm -hmm. because when you explain it other than just like i have this technology or i have this element that lets me do it if you try and explain it any more detail than that you are going to first you, you make it super like if you try and explain things in regards to any sort of technology that's futuristic mm -hmm. you run into issues most people, you either have the people that like, oh, I like time travel. That's it. Uh -huh. Maybe show me some consequences of time travel. That's cool. Have show me the grandfather paradox. Have Fry, you know, screw his grandmother. Whatever, right? <laughs> That's funny, right? Because it, it's something everyone knows with the grandfather paradox. You go back in time, kill your grandfather. What happens? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that's yep. still an interesting thing, right? But if you start explaining the physics behind it, you're either going to get the people that are like that. It's just too confusing to them. Because they just wanted Fry to sleep with his grandmother, um, and then then you have the other side of the people, the, the people that actually are lay persons, someone that actually has taken a more con like concentrated interest in uh, time travel and has done maybe some book reading into it or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so you you by trying to explain the time travel mechanics, you fundamentally confuse both ends of the spectrum. So you either have the people that are like, I, I, time travel good. Fry, fuck, 
Grandma, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's the only analogy yeah, that I can think I of off the top of my that's head. That's what we're holding on to. Yes, they, uh-huh. they go back in time and shenanigans happens, and he's his own grandfather, and and that's that's the that's the funny joke, and it and it comes back and is referenced a lot in the, in Futurama, right? Yes, but they don't try and explain how it makes sense. As far as I'm aware, they just say it happens, and this is interesting, also coming from Futurama's writing uh, writing team because several of them are. Uh, mathematicians, as in they are mm. doc- They have doctorates in mathematics. There's actually a funny episode that I like to reference to where they uh, switch bodies, where a bunch of the mem- uh, the uh, t- characters switch bodies, and they actually do a mathematical theorem on during the show to show how they could all switch back and not leave anyone out. And that was actually something that they published a paper on, if I recall correctly. That also okay. could be pop culture, and I could be misunderstanding it, but as far as I'm aware... I, or I could be disinformed. Roll credits, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So they don't really go into detail. Or if you right. do something where you sit down, it's like, you know, uh, or, or another good example of time travel mechanics that I enjoy is Doctor Who. Uh, in, yes. in particular, if I recall correctly, it is the uh, weep, the first Weeping Angel episode that they have. Where he just says, you know, time, timey wimey, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, and that's uh-huh. it. There's, there's like, there's nothing else. He isn't like, let me write up some theorems. Let me explain what goes well, on. And, and I there mean, are. They I'm do, sorry, not to answer, Jack. No, no, you're good. They, they do yes. probably explain other things, but most of those uh-huh. are in regards to an episode that is specific to that sort of thing that occurs, right? Right. They do talk about certain instances where there are like fixed points in history where this is going to happen, it's inexorable, and if you attempt to interact with it, we don't know what's going to happen. It'll rend the fabric of reality apart. At least there's concessions to these sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, as everyone likes to invoke the the butterfly principle. But uh, (laughs) at the the very least, there's basic sort of scientific tenets that people... Yeah. hinge on but so uh sorry so that you can jump back in there for what no, your no, thought that's process perfect. is and at least for but don't over explain it don't use jargon because at one point you're either going to be wrong or mm-hmm. two you're just going to confuse the issue for everybody and I, I think you actually drove home a good point that i wasn't really sure how to convey uh, mm-hmm. if you explain effects what happens if that is probably more important because then people can actually see that like with yes. fry and his grandmother or, you know, with uh, pretty much a lot of the, the fixed point idea in yes. Doctor Who, right? If you go back in time and do something, this will happen, as opposed to this is how you travel back in time. If you yes. explain the cause behind it, you're either going to be confusing people or upsetting people or, you know, stuff like that. Whereas yes. if you just say, well, if you go back in time, this can happen or this might happen or d- the whole universe will unravel. But that's still well, an effect that you can see. Right. It's it's a it's it's an easier thing to say if X and Y as opposed to let me explain how X came to be. Well, and I have a prime example to kind of illustrate what we're talking about here uh, in ways that hopefully are it's entertaining to you and I because we have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the listeners will will stay with us here. But uh, for me, one of the things of illustrating is that you will go on principles that are established at the time Mm -hmm. and occasionally those things change. So Event Horizon is one of my favorite films and I have watched it enough that when they're explaining the wormhole that they open with the Event Horizon, which is the conceit of the ship, that it is Mm -hmm. able to uh, achieve faster than light flight by opening a wormhole within the ship that it subsequently passes through, which Mm -hmm. good luck with that. But how they claim to execute this 
this, and as explained by the doctor at the beginning of the film, is he says, we focus a narrow beam of gravitons in order to allow us to harness this energy. And we're going like, okay, well, gravitons was a theoretical sort of concept back in the day to say this is how we measure gravity we assumed that it is this force and it has subsequently been disproven that is not it this does not exist yeah. it's just a theoretical particle that we were throwing out mm -hmm. so that we now look back on that film and laugh at the quaint scientific notion of one that you could ever harness a wormhole and two they're utilizing it with sort of defunct terms that we've all proven scientifically don't actually exist uh, gravity is a wave as as we've learned from Bob Lazar. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the best it all comes back scientific, around. Uh, uh, person of our time. The, the scientific yes, genius. the most yes. prestigious scientific mind that I have been exposed to, Jeremy Corbell. And uh, <laughs> so that's my example of thinking of when you start over explaining things. If you try to use a mechanism, it's probably going to thwart you at some point or fall back on you. But to your point of one of my favorite il uh, illustrations of time travel and done expertly is uh, 11.22.63. And King's execution there because it is not taking the time to elaborately explain how this happens. It's just it's a rabbit hole. I call yeah. it a rabbit hole. I have no idea what the hell it is. Mm -hmm. It's just I know that if I walk into this space, I I am sucked through a vortex back into this exact space at a date in the past. And it's a fixed date. It never changes. When I come back, there's a hard reset. So, you know, everything has, has kind of gone back when I return to it, but it can still impact the future I return to. Mm -hmm. And so you have these sort of loose notions that are put in place or the governing rules of the story at the very least. And then you can play within those or color within those lines as you're telling the story. And they do get to the end where they're talking about there's various realities, essentially, that every time you go back, you're creating a new reality and that's mm -hmm. branching off and you're kind of, you know, causing this chaos to ensue. Uh, which is an interesting notion and again doesn't rely too heavily on any one scientific principle just sort of throws out a casual like this is a, a higher source or a higher uh, intellectual group is essentially saying this is what's happening mm -hmm. and so you don't necessarily have to lay everything out in a full-on okay so here is newton's uh, theory that we're going to posit yeah. is proving this <laughs> yeah you're, you're not playing with any of that mm -hmm. so for you, is there something specifically that you were able to kind of like suspend other than Futurama? Um, uh, is there cinematically anything that has stood out to you possibly? Or So I, you did mention Back to the Future. I do like yep. the two separate time travel mechanics that they have because mm -hmm. there are two separate ones that are revealed. In the first one, it's you change the future and then he disappears. Uh, but it that's more of a because and this is where I'll just admit. Uh, as I have mentioned before, I have written an, a thesis, an honors thesis, if you will, for my undergraduate degree, one of them, uh, that, mm -hmm. just flaunting, flaunting here. <clears throat> I wrote an honors thesis on the idea of time travel as used in fiction. And Hashtag humblebrag. Exactly. And how the complexity of said time travel effect, uh, affects fan fiction's interpretations of it. So the more complicated the time travel, the more difficult it is for time travel, for uh, fan fiction writers to correctly interpret it mm -hmm. right so I, I figured you know uh, jumping onto this conversation i was in your wheelhouse oh, so yeah. i figured we'd, we'd be able to run with it i actually looked at the time i'm like ah okay i can do a little bit of dipping into it but i can't do the whole thing uh, well i don't expect <laughs> you to do the whole thing I, it's just a simple question but yeah um 
I'm, I'm just going to be very brief about it. The, I've de- I defined in my paper three different types of time travel mechanics. You yes. have the, um, I think I called it the, the static, uh, the dynamic, and then the multiverse. So you okay. have the, the static where no matter what you can do, no matter what you do, you can't change time. So mm-hmm. you can go back in time. You can like It's the idea that you go back in time to try and kill Hitler, but no matter what you do, your gun doesn't fire, someone catches you, you know, that sort of thing. So it's that deterministic. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. I called the deterministic. You can't change the past. Um, I, I had a good example, but I can't remember off the top of my head what that example was in my well, paper. Well, eleven twenty two sixty three does also, you know, function within that same rationale is that time doesn't want to be changed. It will actively yes, fight you. That, that's now a you fair can point. still do it, mm-hmm. but it, it does sort of intercede on its own behalf. Yeah. Um, and then you have the dynamic, which I did reference when I was defining that to Back to the Future, where the act yeah. of Marty uh, going back in time and not necessarily flirting with his mom. Uh, just because uh, doing that bit again is a little bit, you know, over the top. But, mm-hmm. you know, he had to try and get his parents together or else he disappeared in yes. that he was changing his future. Right. And then the last one I said was multiverse, which you've already kind of alluded to with the spaghetti. Um, mm-hmm. But it was also described in Back to the Future 3 when Doc explained that they went to a separate parallel universe that they can connect back to to get back to their own uh, I think it was three. It was either three or three or two. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they did change the time travel mechanics in that mm-hmm. they could travel between parallel universes. Uh, they don't change the past or the future. They just go to a different timeline. So those were the main ones that I described. And most most time travel mechanics fit under those sort of parameters. There might be some combinations, yada, yada, but those were the idea. I like explorations of each and every one of those. Like, I do like that idea that you can go back in time and no matter what you do, you can't change it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that sort of hopelessness that can be explored in media uh, with that idea in mind that no matter like um, in this, I did refer to Harry Potter, but it was actually a poor excuse um, for a deterministic universe Mm-hmm. Even though they established that, there was a whole reference that Hermione makes during one of the, part of book three. Um, and I can tell, and now that I think about it, because when I wrote this paper, this was long before Turf, she was a, before anyone really yeah, knew what she yeah, was. Yeah, we'll just, we'll separate the art and the artist y- yes, for the sake of the conversation. I realize now that there is some poor writing in that regard. And come at me at you, as you will, audience, but. Uh, there are, Dirty. there's not a lot of, uh, I didn't say on, I said at, um, towards so I'm still aiming forward, but, uh, there was a line that Hermione says, and this is something I still remember during my paper. She says, you can't go interact with your past self or else they will be upset or, or something to that effect. And okay. she is vague. There is no description as to they. So in my paper, I kind of alluded to that there might have been some sort of separate branch of the Ministry of Magic that's time police or something mm. like that. That And then that involves that you can change the future, but it is supposed to be kind of resistant to it. So, Or it could just be in a Lovecraftian sense that your brain will not be able to process the fact that there are two of you on space. So the imposter sort of uh, portion of your brain would start the concept that you have to eliminate the other person uh to get night veil with it of Mm. uh, i have to kill my other yeah and i think that that would be a very cool concept to explore like time travel Mm. as a whole i don't 
like there's so many different things that you can explore with the idea of time travel as long as you mm. don't get into like too d- deep in the weeds about how it occurs um yes. a focus on the effect like we said um but like the dynamic one I did give um uh oh I I remember now it was my little pony that I actually referenced to as being deterministic universe um, I don't remember the exact, the exact thing of that, but it was an episode that involved time travel and it turned out that everything was deterministic, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. But it's still an interesting thing to explore, right? Because mm-hmm. now you're, now instead of like the danger of screwing up the universe, it's that, uh, dealing with the fact that you can't do anything about it and that everything is destined to occur and then grappling with that fact or, Another iteration of that is that you were supposed to go back in time and your actions uh, is what caused the future to occur. Um, Okay. Which is also a really cool um, kind of like plot twist of sorts that you were the one that incited the accident that you went back in time to prevent, you know, something like that, Um, which is a cool concept that uh, I mean, I bet there have been plenty of books that have explored that uh, at if you can think audience of any books, you can list them in any sort of comment section that you can access depending on how you listen to us. Uh Uh-huh. Well, also I will say that all of these principles are at least in play somewhat in the flash film. Oh, that. (laughs) Okay. Yes. All three of them interact with one another in a certain extent. And uh, yeah, that is to say some things, there are fixed things that could not be amended. There's essentially an eventuality that must be reached mm -hmm. without spoiling too much. Uh, So there's that concept. And then there's also the idea that he himself caused something to occur other than just course correcting to try to save his mother's life. Mm -hmm. He inadvertently causes a number of things to happen. And (laughs) so, yes, uh, all of these do uh, appear at some point in the course of that story. So I think you might actually enjoy it when you watch it because you won't be as precious about the source material. But it it is as ludicrous as you would expect. But also you do love a a good B film. Okay, if you're going to if you're going to pass it off as that, then that does. Oh, it's camp. It's, it's camp. so camp in a lot of really ridiculous ways. So yeah, I think it would it would hit your your woo woo button for for campiness. Okay, I might have to try and see it. But and as you said, Nicolas Cage is in this film. Uh, but is he really in some form? Is he really though? He's just... not in that way. But I mean, still, I mean, did you watch Ghost Rider? Be- or or even better, Ghost Rider Two because Nicolas Cage was in it. I think I did watch the second one. Yes. Oh, okay. Well. I don't remember uh, much of it. Though. Second one wasn't great. No, first one wasn't really wonderful either. There's but a reason why it there had wasn't a leg a... up. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, was banished to the nether, the shadow realm. Why he's never come back. Uh, <laughs> but uh, okay. Let's see, I I, think, yeah, I didn't I need think... to, to pick your your whole brain there. I just wanted you to like name a movie that you've seen, and then we've explained uh, a, an entire thesis is worth a premise and still didn't quite get around to that but other than my little pony and uh, harry potter but i mean <laughs> technically that counts i did want to explore i because there were some ideas i i tried jumping into any sort of time travel like media that i uh had at least been previously exposed to um i did try and do uh uh doctor who but yes. I would have constrained myself to the um, the Weeping Angel episode, the first one. Uh, don't blink, blink, don't yes, blink. Thank yeah. you. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, just because those the 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 how time travel was explained in regards to just the Weeping Angels, 
uh, was very straightforward. Absolutely. Um, and so it was easy to try and, uh, you know, parse that and then also compare it to fan fiction because that was one of the main aspects of my paper was that I looked at how the time travel mechanics worked. And then I tried to see if other people could adapt those in a, like in a way that made sense compared to the original. So yes. like a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction I found was incorrect, even based off of the one rule that you could only go back 24 hours in time. Mm. Uh, and so there was so many fan fictions I read where people went forward in time, people went years back in time. And I'm like, there weren't many rules specified. Mm-hmm. You, you, you got 24 hours. That's all. And so people were like, nah, I want to do my own thing. So that, and then you have other ones like, uh, I read really good fan fiction of uh, Doctor Who involving the Weeping Angels. Uh, and just like, there was one that was almost like, I think it was over a hundred thousand words and I spent like a day or two reading it and it could have, it should have, it should have. And I wish I remembered. um, And if I'm sufficiently motivated, I can even try and find it and put it as a link or something, but it should have been made into like a three part episode. Uh, It was so good. Um, I I do. uh, Sorry. I love that concept of like that. The angels are essentially siphoning off your potential energy by how far that they can embed you into the past. And so they're taking up all that. We'll call it chronal discharge, whatever it actually is. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yes. Yeah. Which is still fine because they they just say it's some discharge or or something like that. They aren't like, well, let me I mean, they probably went a little bit too much into detail. But like at that point, you're already like, well, this is a scary episode. I'm spooked. I'm not going to listen too much on it. If I recall correctly, he was talking through a TV at that point. He was because they were all they were speaking to the main character. It, mm-hmm. through uh, media that they had left behind, which was also really sort of fascinating because they couldn't mm-hmm. directly interact with her. But they did. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, yeah, they the, knew what she was going to be asking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in, in that case, that was fantastic writing and I enjoyed it. Oh, uh, it's great. One of the few times... Uh, Moffat was actually good. Uh, that's all I, I'm say. I will just patently disagree with that, but no, it's uh, amongst <laughs> the many times that Moffat was great. But uh, I'm still a Russell Davies kid. I yes. agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Moffat did get a- ahead of himself in many instances. But that was not one of them. That was yeah. a fantastic episode. Just don't let him write an arc. That's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what offs are perfect? Uh, yeah, one offs are great. But anyway, like just. I, I that and then there was also like a um was it it was a, a an earlier episode of Star Trek that I also tried looking into mm. where they used a gravitational slingshot. I think it was uh the uh, I always call it the one with the whales. Uh Star Trek Four The Voyage Home. Yes. yes. Um which I, I like think, yeah. Continue. No, no, no. I, I liked how they described it and but I didn't I eventually scrapped uh looking into that because I didn't want to read fan fiction of Star Trek just because I I was afraid of running into uh was it Spock Kurt uh Hurt uh fiction where it's they one is injured and the other one tenderly cares for the other and it's supposed to be semi romantic but mm-hmm. not necessarily like sexual in a way, but it this is me getting into my fan fiction knowledge that I I, yeah. I don't want to delve into at the moment. But <laughs> yeah, so I were not Twincest or, or Wincest. Uh, oh, supernatural. Yeah. Oh, man. Easy. So <laughs> I, it's funny. Out of this whole conversation, I will hearken back to yet another one that is comics themed, 
which uh, Superman 2, I believe, uh, uh, he flies around mm-hmm. the planet to reverse Bastard. the way the planet turns, and that is how he changes time and mm-hmm. causes it's, it to it go back. saves Lois, right, if I recall yes, correctly? Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, so yeah, there's just a rewind button on the planet if you make it go the other direction. It's like, no, that's gravity again, friends. I just... Okay. He reversed the gravity's polarity and uh, just ran. He ran really fast. It is established. Uh-huh. You travel back yep. in time in DC DC uh, universes. You just uh-huh. go really fast. So Very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And yet this whole time I was just trying to get you to say that you really loved Jean-Claude Van Damme's you know, portrayal of Time Cop. You know, that's really all I was going for. This is where I mentioned that I have not seen that movie. I know, I know. It's, it's just <laughs> I was trying to give us an out, and that was all I was angling for. You know, I'm, I'm just not gonna... sure you even heard of Time Cop before oh, this have. day, but I have. Oh, have you? Yes, I know that it was a movie, and I know John Claude Van Damme with his magnificent splitting action, where he can just hop on rails and just splits. You know, name five. Name five John Claude Van Dams or, or uh, uh, splits. Oh, <laughs> or or Time Cop movies. Uh, wait, there were uh, more than th- no. Was there a, I was just, like, was there a sequel? I didn't think there was. There... I there was, but it, I think it was a straight to video. Um, oh, or I might be confusing it with the multiple uh, Universal Soldier uh, sequels, which ooh, <laughs> they star Bill Goldberg going forward, which is just not a good idea. I will say though, there was a very spicy, you know, like fifteen to twenty second physical entanglement in Time Cop, which ooh. I was very fond of in my pubescent days because that was a that was a late nineties film i was uh i was fully exploring my own uh wiles at the time but uh so time cop holds a special place in my heart and in my hand but uh anyway that's where we are uh weigh in in the comments as michael said extolled the virtue of one if you saw the flash uh what did you think and i know edward really enjoyed it super fan edward out there who uh, told me I needed to go see it. And yes, as a comic kid, I really appreciated it, liked it. But yeah, there are some things in there that I really, as I alluded to on episode 200, I, you just can't ever get it right because ultimately with taste, you want to make the movie that you would want to see in your own head. So no one's ever going to get it a hundred percent, you know, dead on balls accurate to crib from my cousin Vinny. But, uh, Dark Knight definitely got close. They, they did their, their level best there. So bless you, Chris. But, uh, we're all just playing in our own sandbox i think when you want to sort of give a concept for what you like but uh weigh in tell us what uh what you felt about the flash and also what your favorite time travel movie or book or entertainment is because i know that we would love to hear about it and we talk about it pretty regularly as i think four or five episodes ago we had one that was the time travelers podcast already where we got into our doctor who nuances all over the place but i do remember uh, that yeah Mm -hmm. it's a good time but uh, anything else you want to touch on before we uh, let the listeners off for the week? No. Oh, well, you know, I, I will say that I don't think I listed my favorite time travel because I don't think I have one. But oh. I did list a couple <laughs> that I enjoyed. But there was yes. one that I don't think I touched upon yet. One that I feel like we definitely should. And mm-hmm. one whose door I will be walking through to start this episode all over again. Hmm. I'm. I, how do you leave an idiot in suspense? The tower. I'll tell you later. Ah. Oh! <laughs> uh, no. The. I mean. I. 
Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. That was not the first thing that I thought of when I was uh, running through the the cycle there, particularly even with King. But no, you're you're not wrong. I go. I will give you credit. Yes, mm-hmm. but of course that is a uh, that thing is uh, it's a whole separate reality. So you have to start opening, and and I feel like I'm trapped in the grapefruit right now. As a matter of stern fact, I, I only see what it shows me. <laughs> like Rhea of the Coos before me, I'm just sitting slack-jawed with a snake wrapped around my legs and cat in my lap. Mm-hmm. And how? Yes, indeed. Just having the snake spit in my mouth. Dirty. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> uh, strangely <laughs> enough, so I also, before we get out of here, I will say I uh, am now six books away from having completed the entirety of the King Uvra. So uh, we're, we're ratcheting it down. I just finished uh, Fairy Tale and Road Work. And so I'm uh, starting to, to crest in there. So uh, be on the lookout, friends. That uh, full and complete listing and ranking of the Stephen King books is, is in the offing, which I've changed it probably five times since I <laughs> have been reading other things where I was like, yeah, I like this better than that. But uh on re- you know in in retrospect i think i like this better than this and i like this better than that and this one didn't you know hold up as well as i expected so so what you're telling me is talisman is now your favorite stephen king book um there will be a day when that is true oh no (laughs) and that is when someone has traveled back in time and eliminated every other stephen king book that has ever been written and the only thing that is left standing is the stand. I mean, the talisman. <laughs> but no, uh, man, I, I, I've discovered in, I will say without spoiling anything, I feel like, uh, the fantasy realm and King and I do not get along because, uh, eyes of the dragon and, uh, the talisman series, I just wasn't in for. Didn't dig it. Uh, I think the closest that we've gotten is, of course, the Dark Tower has a lot of fantasy elements in it. And then Fairy Tale definitely uh, leans very heavily into it. And I really enjoyed Fairy Tale. I've heard mixed reviews from other people uh, that said it's a little puerile and it's a little bare bones and it's not, you know, his most uh, revolutionary concept. But I actually really enjoyed it. And it's pretty high ranking. I've moved it around subsequently uh, as I reflected with looking at some of the other books. But it's a good concept. I liked it more than I have liked a lot of others in the in the running. So I would absolutely recommend it. It's an excellent read. Fun okay. characters, interesting. And as a person who has recently lost a canine companion, oh. uh, it punched me in the feels an awful lot uh, oh. over the course of that story. I was crying through most of it. So uh, it's uh, it, it did exactly what it was supposed to. It elicited an emotional response. It evoked many things in me. So there you go. Uh, so there we go. I think that is uh, it. I've talked about my my X Files viewing. We've talked about the things I'm reading and the things I've seen. Uh, you still haven't seen Renfield yet. I'm sure because I can see it in your face. So you're going to go see Barbie, but you haven't caught Renfield, which is free for nothing on Peacock. Uh, that involves having Peacock, which I do not have. Okay. Well, and technically Peacock's not 
yeah. free. But, uh, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> Melissa and I liked it so much, we were actually probably going to own that film because we have oh. raved about it. So we had a conversation the other night where we were like, it's a really good movie. Uh, we were both thinking about it, and she was describing it to somebody else. And it's just that perfect blend of, of camp and odd gore and, uh, you know, just random hilarity. Uh, that uh, doesn't take itself too seriously, but also has just a lot of very ingenious and delightful things. I don't want to spoil anything for you because uh, I, I need to. But at some okay. point, there will... is going to be some some witchcraft performed in a very inventive way, given the circumstances and things that they have to hand that we'll have to discuss later because okay. it's one of Melissa's favorite scenes. Right. But I, I will I will try and make a concerted effort this week. This week. Oh, well, I didn't a put a deadline, no. but I mean, you know, okay. see it sometime. I'm going to challenge myself to watch Renfield by the next time we record. And if okay. I don't, you can come up with some sort of retribution that I have to do. And we'll right. put it on a YouTube After Dark or something like that. You can't have any more green chili uh, through the entire time that you stay in New Mexico. No well, more if you right. haven't seen Renfield. All right, Renfield is on my computer right now, and I'm currently watching it. Because to deprive myself of green chili in this beautiful state is to just deprive myself of life. Well, uh, this has been as joyfully schizophrenic as any of our other episodes have been. So thank you all for being here. As per usual, we love having you. Of course, there's a link in the show notes that'll take you to all of our irrelevant socials that will facilitate you liking, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We'd love to hear from you, of course, as always. And if you enjoy, uh, you can interact with us on whatever form or fashion or app that you're utilizing, wherever you steal your favorite podcast audio from. I'm sure you can leave us a little message. We'd love to have a chat. But uh, as always, new episodes winging your way every lovely Monday morning with, you know, notable exceptions. But uh, <clears throat> we're not going to dogpile anything when a man's dying. You can't, you know, kick a mule while it's down. Damn, and, editor, uh, what do we pay him for? Hey, you still got it done on Monday. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not I'm not giving you too much of a, of a shark there. But we were worried about you for a minute. We posted posted at 5, 5 a.m. somewhere, probably. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just 5 a.m. on Tuesday. But, you know, we're not pushing that. So, uh, no, you got it on Monday. It still happened. It, it's uh, so, you know, you did good. Kid. And then, of course, Fridays over on the Tubes of View. We do a bunch of uh, hilarity and, and nonsense there commonly. Uh, it's uh, it's always a good time. And we've just gotten back into doing some supertheticals, uh, the last of which was absolutely delightful. And uh, we just saw Doc Day come and go. Pun intended. And uh, so you can all celebrate in your own inimitable ways there. I'm sure that got a chuckle on the other end of the line somewhere as he's listening. So you're welcome. But uh, yeah, check us out there. Uh, join us anywhere that you would like. In fact, we're not going to encumber you. Make your own decisions. It's like time travel. Set your own rules. Fuck your own grandmother. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Really hitting that one over the head by the end of this. Thank you. So I think there's no better note to leave this episode on. And so for all you gushing grannies out there, we're going to bid you a fond adieu for the Disinformed Podcast this week. I'm Shane. And I'm Michael. Have a Baja Blast. And zippity zoop, we're out of here. <laughs>